Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Bobcast with you. As always, this is Bob, live in a lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Episode 147, folks. Um, today's guest is a musician from Philadelphia. He's a trumpet player. He's an arranger. He's a composer. I first met him on the rooftop, top of the world six in uh, Plymouth meeting. I guess that was uh, the last one in September. Uh, we've been trying to get a podcast together for a while. He sent me some of his music. I got to say, like, you know, the arrangements are out of this world. Um, I teach first grade. I put them on in the background. Kids are able to get their work done. So if you can get a seven-year-old to get their tasks completed, who knows what, you know, lurks for you in the future. You may be able to, you know, merge worlds together, create world peace, which I always think is uh, appropriate for music because it is the universal language of love. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show Vince Tampio. How are you? Doing all right. Yourself? Good. I'm good, man. So how you been since the last time I saw you? Oh, the last time you saw me was September? That was September, yeah. Yeah. That was a good show. Yeah. You Do You is the name of the band that you're yeah. in as well. How did, how did they find you? Um, I was in another band. I was in Conversations with Enemies, and we did... They do, That's I've, a cool name, Conversations with Enemies. I think it's Conversations now. So uh, Josh, uh, Conversations with Enemies is cool, man. Why they <laughs> Why they get rid of that? It's too long. I don't know. Um, I was out of the band by that point, mm-hmm. but they put on a yearly like Halloween. This band is now this band kind oh. of thing. So Conversations with Enemies was doing Cake that year, and You Do You was doing. The Doobie Brothers. Oh, okay, I did see that. But I think they were all Michael McDonald, or all wanted to be, mm-hmm. so I don't really know. Um, yeah, I saw them play, and I met them, and then kind of lost track of them for a couple mm-hmm. years. And then I worked at Rock to the Future for a little while, mm-hmm. where um, where Katie Feeney works, lead singer. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of like, hey, you need a horn. For yeah, me. and the band's awesome. Uh, folks, so. if you want to go out there and check out the... Their materials, you could scroll down. There's some videos actually uh, in the podcast, but I mean, as far as music goes, let's uh, let's go 88 miles per hour. Let's go back to the future using the DeLorean. Let's go back to the beginning of when Vince first fell in love with music. What can you tell me about that? Um, now you can use this time machine <laughs> to go back to adolescence. Oh, that's my Chihuahua in the background, ladies and gentlemen. She's a major pain in the ass today. She's under the couch. She's antisocial. She's old. Uh, she may chime in from time to time with special effects. You're just going to have to deal with it. When do you want to go back to? Um, I'm told, when before I can remember, mm-hmm. that my parents would put me in... They figured out that I could locate where sound was coming from. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old I was. I couldn't walk at that point. Mm-hmm. So... And they started 
putting me down in various places and turning on the radio and like watching my head move to that direction mm -hmm. and like there it is there's the speaker and then they flip me around and do the same thing mm -hmm. um i don't know what music was playing early i remember i think the first musical moment i remember is the sat one of the sax solos in either shining your crazy diamond or money mm. i forget which one i know it's the same player um i remember hearing that yeah that so. that sound in general though, like those two tracks that you just mentioned there, they the production value on there is just insane. Yeah, I mean even today, twenty seventeen. <laughs> listen to well, I don't know when it was recorded. Okay, Google, when was Money by Pink Floyd recorded? See if she gets it. According to Wikipedia, Money is a song by the English progressive rock band Pink Floyd from their nineteen seventy three album The Dark Side of the Moon. Like, it still sounds relevant today. So it could have been written. In mm -hmm. 72, I'm fuzzy on when exactly it was released, so somewhere between late 72 yeah. or early 73. Yeah, I mean, that's a great starting point for any musician, I guess, to dive into, like Pink Floyd, the textured sounds, and as the as Google just mentioned, <laughs> progressive. Yeah. Not very often you hear Pink Floyd being described as progressive. I think they fall into that, but they're not as virtuosic as yeah. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, or Yes. I'm a big fan of the. I, I mean, I miss Sid. Now, you know, like, okay. Souls are full of secrets. I remember the first time I heard that, I was just like, holy shit, like, what is this? But any incarnation that comes along, I think is great. But as a fan, I mean, I would like to see the definitive version of, like, all of them together. You know, the, there's so right. many different things going on. How do you feel about that when a band, like, is like, oh, we're like, you know, we're going to we're gonna re have a reunion, but it's not, like, all the original members? Um, well, it's... Un, well, it's impossible to have a reunion right now as Pink Floyd yeah. since we're missing yeah. we're missing Sid and we're missing Rick Wright. Um, when you have a band like that, they have they covered so much ground mm -hmm. between even between albums. Thinking about Saucer Full of Secrets, uh, it didn't really occur to me until about a year ago that it was normal for me to grow up with that album, and that what I do you can mean by that? well I can listen to it and listen to it as a piece of music or I might put it on for somebody else who's never who hasn't heard anything like that and it's it's that off they may not have a palette for it where I grew up with that yeah. it's the same idea as throw on Putting a piece of food in front of somebody they've never had before well, some, yeah. right or um, I think a few years ago as I went to school for jazz and I was at my apartment and I put on I was like yeah it's time to put on some John Coltrane that's mm -hmm. not a normal thing um, at least it doesn't seem normal mm -hmm. by today you just put that on you put all this a lot of texture and some there's intellect involved And how do you explain Coltrane to somebody who's never heard John Coltrane before well, I mean I'd start by saying he's a he's a tenor saxophonist mm -hmm. <laughs> or saxophonist mm -hmm. um He's a guy that practiced a lot and worked through a lot of different ideas all the time. The whole creative process for a jazz musician is a lot different sometimes than somebody that's writing a pop song. Can, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Since, I mean, you, you just mentioned you went to school for it. Like, mm -hmm. what was your, like, you know, your education, like, studying the art of jazz? So, the approaching jazz is very personal to each player and a lot of times the music well at least much of the music now it's vehicle 
the music is a vehicle for it. Mm-hmm. improvisation and that's become that's a lot how it's that's become how it's taught mm-hmm. um, obviously there's other jazz um, there's through composed jazz obviously big band um, at one point swing music was the pop music it was yeah and swing in terms of the 30s and big band mm-hmm. and having um and dance bands. It's mm-hmm. essentially the same thing. Pop music is also motivated to make people move. It's all related. Yeah. Just different terminologies, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, different taste of music. So when I approach jazz, it's... I try to let it happen. Spontaneous. It's spontaneous, but it's... There's also a lot of thought process behind... Here are all the paths I can take. Mm-hmm. And once you're in that spot, you don't think about those paths. You just basically have to react. Mm-hmm. And it's a conversation. With the instrument or the music? Yes. So all the players, mm-hmm. so between if you just have a quartet, between yeah. bass, drums, keys, and a horn, everyone is improvising most of the, uh, much of the time. And it's how they react to each other. It's it's a sort of like a migrating conversation. It's very interesting too because it's like it's I mean, I guess you could say a jam band is very similar like Fish, you know, yeah. Grateful Dead or stuff like that, but jazz jazz when players Did you ever see that movie Collateral? With Tom Cruise. Okay, so it, it has a sub like theme. There's a theme within the movie. Definitely recommend it for okay. you and the Bobcast listeners out there. Uh, Jamie Foxx is in it and it has this like theme about jazz and like how the like improv and things just happen you go with the flow and stuff like that anytime i hear tom cruise's voice anytime i i think of jazz this is like the way he describes it just go with the flow you know like <laughs> but when you're in the middle of it as an audience member and you're watching it it's like almost like you are participating like like it's so hard to describe to somebody who is um a casual or you know an avid like listen listener or um fan of music but when you're on stage i think for for most all of like the elements jazz rock whatever hip hop you're you're reacting live to the audience the participation like yeah. you know and it's, it's not so much like the clapping or like you know the you know people cheering it's like the chemistry of their like the room you know what i mean like so jazz like you know in that moment can erupt you know what i mean and it can become something that's just like you know captured in just one little tiny like moment which it's so hard to describe when it happens, but you know it when yeah. it happens on stage, you know? Well, the audience makes a big uh, difference. Not, yeah. not just a lack of audience versus full exactly, audience, yeah. but the energy Both. of the audience. The energy of the audience, yeah. Um, I'd say it's just as applicable to mm-hmm. other forms of music than it is jazz. Without a doubt. And like it really has an effect. And I don't necessarily know the audience is always aware of how much of an effect they have on musicians. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I find that the crowd participation thing is... is paramount for like a musician to like get their point across with jazz there's many points that could come across right like so like if you're in a you know a five piece six piece whatever like all the musicians coming together to form this collective sound and it's like you know it's an ancient you know like at this point i mean it's amazing like how long it's been going on in america you know what i mean but like music in general is like i guess it's the only thing in that really separates us from the animals, the subspecies, right? Like, we're able to create. We're able to make, put notes together. I'm sure there's a gorilla or somebody's out there like, well, I saw this on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> but 
I've always liked, you know, the musicology of it, you know, and, like, studying, like, you know, all the different elements. Jazz, to me, every time I would get to it, I mean, I would also see the color blue, obviously, you know, just because of association with, you know, like, that feel. But jazz just happens, and it's so much fun to watch live, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, what was, like, the, the moment for you, like, you know, Pink Floyd, spatial uh, recognition of sounds and rooms, what was the moment as a kid or as an adolescent where, like, you first fell in love with jazz? Um, so along with Pink Floyd and classic rock, my dad's a big, mm-hmm. big band fan. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of that going on. And I think when they recognized that I liked listening to that, mm-hmm. they suggested different players and different groups. Um, Louis Armstrong and... Glenn Miller Orchestra, mm-hmm. those kind of things, and um, Benny Goodman, Benny Goodman, and all those. Benny Goodman. And uh, I remember in in elementary school, maybe second or third grade, getting, you know, when the library didn't have everything and we, mm-hmm. we didn't have the internet to do that, we wanted a book. We had, they would contact another library and get that on loan from them. And I got that's a, how difficult things were. <laughs> youngsters out there listening to the Bobcast. Couldn't get shit right right away. No. You had to really work at it, and, and you appreciated stuff more. Please yeah, I, I got the no, it's all right. I got the book and I read it, and I think I had to write a report. Mm-hmm. We had to read. We were learning what a biography biography was. Mm-hmm. Um, and in so third end of third grade is when they started recruiting people for or students for the band. The mm-hmm. year before was chorus, and. Um, but third grade, they would set up a concert with the middle school and the high school bands and kind of showcase all the instruments mm-hmm. and uh, at an assembly. And then if we were interested in it, we could come back maybe the day later with a sheet, say first, second, third choice instruments. I remember, again, saxophone. Now knowing that was a Barry sax up there, you kind of, mm-hmm. we pulled him out from the jazz band and said, hey, play some, play something. And it's just like a big, awesome sound. I still love Barry Sax. Um, so I wrote down saxophone, first choice, trumpet, second choice, and I, drums, whatever, yeah. whatever was the third choice. And I didn't get saxophone. I got trumpet. I don't know how they did it, where... They just wanted to crush your dreams right away. Like, nope, <laughs> number one's out. Let's get I think three. so many people want, were first request for saxophone. Mm-hmm. And there were less... What year is this, by the way? This is third grade. So you're... I was eight, I believe. So wait, is it... I don't know. How, how old are you? What year is this? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm t- going to be 29. Okay, so... so it's, this it's, is about 20 years ago. Okay. It's not during, like... I remember, distinctly, saxophone erupting when Bill Clinton appeared on uh, Arsenio Hall. I had no idea. I had no... Okay, <laughs> no yeah. touch I, on. I remember everybody. maybe everyone else. The next did. day, everybody's like, "I gotta play saxophone." Bill Clinton's yeah. on Arsenio playing the saxophone, but I think the saxophone comes from the Pink Floyd, yeah, and also listening to the sax sections in the big band, and yeah, I don't know if enough people had first choice trumpet. I remember because yeah. they probably, probably had a limited amount of saxophones or Barry saxes. Definitely, you know what I mean. I think the school only had one Barry sax, really, and I don't think an eight-year-old kid. Yeah. I mean, it's as tall as an eight-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember starting. I think there were seven of us. There were seven trumpet players. Oh wow! And I was, it was a small school. Um, 
about 100 kids per class. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so when I... Continuing with, with your question, when I picked up trumpet, um, what do you listen to? So we start focusing on, even more so, Louis Armstrong and listening to the trumpet section. That's when Miles Davis was introduced to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like Louis Armstrong and Miles Davis were very polarized um, at opposition to... Like, you have Miles Davis or you have Louis Armstrong, you have to choose. I know. What, it's really weird how that happens. Yeah, Miles Davis had a lot of respect for Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. He didn't agree with... Um, I think if you read... Have you read his autobiography? No, but I did read a, um, an article, I think, in Rolling Stone once about it, detailing some of the stuff. But please tell the podcast listeners about it. Oh. Um, what words can I say on this? You uh, can say whatever you want. Well, usually the first thing I say is, the Miles Davis autobiography is a motherfucker. And I think I counted about 370 uses of motherfucker and whatever derivative. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes it into a noun. He makes it into a verb. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like Smurf. But he talks about Louis Armstrong and he like all the smiling he had to do. But understanding the time, like the 20s and 30s and when he was... when. Louis Armstrong was doing movies. Hi, Kat. Um, that's the kind of thing you had to do to penetrate an audience. Yeah. And a particular audience in the United States at that time. So I think there's a recognition from Miles Davis that Louis Armstrong made it possible for Miles yeah. Davis to be the moody yeah. um, stage Distinction, presence. Yeah. Oh, my cat just joined the podcast. He uh, almost knocked the mic down. Uh, Leo, uh, you can get off the table, but, but yeah, I definitely hear that. Um, side note, tangent, I would, I would just to, to walk around the streets of the roaring twenties, like just, you know, or the 1930s, like, mm-hmm. I mean like the appreciation, look at this cat trying to talk in this microphone. Leo, my cat, as you can't anywhere. see, he will, he, maybe, Leo, I never asked you, but do you have feelings about jazz? Anyway. During the 20s and the 30s, though, like, just the overall, music was just experienced in a totally different way. It's similar, I guess, it makes you feel alive, but, like, people, like, look forward to it, you know? Like, spent their week waiting to go to this great, you know, like, mm-hmm. venue where they would be served food, there'd be singers, songwriters, bands, orchestras, you know, like... It's a party. I, I read a couple of places, actually, in Philly where they would, they would, I forget the name of it, per se... This always happens on the pod, in the podcast, but uh, like you would go, you'd eat dinner, and then you'd watch a movie, and then after the movie, a band would come out through like the floor, like a full night of entertainment, you know, like. And you know, like I, I just I look back at those times very fondly. You know, I studied I studied history in college, so like I always that period of time, I was I was like, wow, man, it must have been awesome. Prohibition, what was that like? You know, like. <laughs> But I guess, like, the, the music also reflected the times. I definitely hear what you're saying about Louie and, you know, like, Miles, like, they definitely, they gave each other the chance to create what they came out with. You know what I mean? Like, they've kind of, they complemented each other. I mean, I yeah. guess the same way that uh, Metallica complemented Guns N' Roses or, you know what I mean? Like, bands that run congruent or, you know? There's always that, too. Right. So, you know, like, why do you think that is? Why is there always two bands that are constantly held in comparison towards each other you know like there's always that type of thing like what's going on now like we got 
Taylor Swift. We got uh, Miley Cyrus. Very similar acts. Katy Perry. You know what I mean? They're very yeah. similar. Like you know. Well, the similarity I can think of in most recently, because I'm not as up on mm-hmm. pop music, is um, growing up in the as a '90s kid, I guess. Mm-hmm. Even though I was born in the '80s, just barely. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you got like the boy bands like NSYNC and yeah. and um, Backstreet Boys, right? Yeah, not Blackstreet. That's different. And yeah, then, what they were, there was a Blackstreet there, right? right? Yeah. And then you also have like Christina Aguilera versus Britney, Britney. Spears. Yeah. Why? Why is there always two of a kind? Right? I, I think, mean, that's like a pose. It depends on. I think it depends on the labels. The it labels are trying on, to look for the next thing that's popular, right? Or what when um, well, when Ar- when Armageddon came out and Deep Impact was just around the same yeah. time. Yeah, like movies happen uh, that way. Armageddon, Deep Impact, Volcano, and Dante's Peak. Yeah, they always do that. There was something else that happened where, like, why? The, or when Ants came out and A Bug's Life came out. Yeah, well, they, let's put a hundred million dollars <laughs> in to follow somebody else's <laughs> idea. But with jazz, though, I mean. I don't know if jazz necessarily like the musicians always like had a sense of identity, you know, yeah. or still do. Excuse me, but the classic ones, you know, like whereas they might have complemented each other or you know persuaded each other to do different things with their arrangements, I feel as if they all had like this sense of knowing who they are. You know, there was no the music was the image. Yeah, you know. Well, there's there's a lot of individual personality involved with with jazz and, and developing that, and. I think you might see, I think, since uh, late 80s, early 90s, you'll see schools crop mm-hmm. up for jazz and sort of showing everybody or whoever wants to put the time in, this is a way you can do it. This is a way that this particular artist did it versus the artist finding it on their own. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see that with the schools of rock that crop up. Yeah, they kind of like came out of nowhere in the last like what ten years. Yeah, there's a lot in Philly. You live in Philly, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. South Philly. What's the one that's down there? Um, well, not South Philly. There's what's there, the big one? There are a few. There's um, there is School of Rock mm-hmm. that has multiple locations. There's Rock to the Future. I think Girls Rock Philly still does stuff. Um, and I think it's it's great to have musical education and an opportunity for youths to uh, Is this after that. school programs or are these school programs actually, do they actually come into the schools? I think it depends on the program. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not up on how they how they run their policies, but I know a lot of them as after school programs. That's cool. Which is also solid. You know, you, mm-hmm. city kids, well, yeah, in this case, city kids, they get done with school and then they need, where they do they go? Yeah. <laughs> you know, people Some are still working. Some kids need outlet. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And also just but yeah, exactly. An outlet, the way to not channel them, but mm. focus them focus on something them. other than academics. So when they did, neglected to give you the Barry sacks and they were like, <laughs> "Let's give them, let's give them the trumpet." Like, what was your process like that? You're eight years old. Like, did you just take off with it, or was it you know a gradual process? I did take off with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the trumpet I used as a family friend's trumpet, mm-hmm. which at the time worked out really well because that meant we didn't have to pay for rentals. I don't mm-hmm. think the school had any... Yeah. I'm sure they had some old trumpets and cornets, but not usable. So I had my own instrument, mm-hmm. which having your own instrument in your own hand is 
That's different. You know, yeah. that's you can move at your pace. But I, I moved very quickly, and almost to the point where I put a lot of work in, and then I like coasted for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that was the perception I had. Maybe, um, maybe people would understand differently. But so you followed through from middle school. Yeah, I played through high school. Through. Yeah, mm-hmm. went to college for it. So where'd you go to college? I did my undergrad at SUNY New Paltz, mm-hmm. so State University of New York at New Paltz. Mm-hmm. They have a jazz program. They've had one, I believe, since 1990 or thereabouts, mm-hmm. and um, it was a very interesting experience there because it's about 30 minutes from Woodstock, mm-hmm. so that culture is still very present. Yeah, And um, in those mountains in the Catskills, that's where... Sonny Rollins, I believe, like in within the within the texture of wherever their houses are. I don't know specifically where they are, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he's out there. Brad Meldow is out there. I think Pat Metheny has a house out mm-hmm. there. So you got some heavy hitters because it's so close to New York City. Um, and they can retreat. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're Go in the mountains, in the and then yeah. you drive about an hour or so mm-hmm. to New York City, or the city, as they would say over there. Um. Yeah, it was a, it was a good experience. Yeah, it, was, it definitely, definitely shaped, continued to shape mm-hmm. me and my music. And it's also it's a school Wait. that I think the guitarists outnumber every other musical group. Mm-hmm. Oh, there guy. I All see right. you now. My uh, Chihuahua has made an appearance here on the podcast. Uh, I think there are like forty guitar majors at any really? time. I know. See, I, you know, I. I, I always wish that, like, you know, I mean, I play, I've been playing music my whole life, but I didn't go to school for it. And I remember always, like, walking by, like, you know, the music major, you know, whatever, and just being like, what's it like, you know? like. <laughs> but, so from college, after you leave there, you returned right to the city of Philadelphia? You came back, like, like, like once you, what was your main goal, like, once you completed your undergrad well, studies? so I'm not from Philly. Okay, where are you originally from? I'm originally from... A village of Silver Creek in New York State, mm-hmm. which is about 40 miles south of Buffalo. Oh, wow. Which is also about an hour north of Erie, PA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, right on Lake Erie. Very cool. So, and it's also very cold. Freezing. <laughs> the lake effect. Yeah. For those of you effect. who have never experienced the lake effect, it is tremendously freezing. Like... I was in Wisconsin for the yeah. first time. I had the lake effect, and I was so cold, man. The lake, it sounds like a disease. I, I caught the Could lake effect. Could be a good banding. <laughs> I got the, the lake effect. Tell that to, what was the conversations with? Uh, with enemies. Yeah. yeah. I like that name, man. Um, so, like, w- one, so did you return back to Silver Creek, or how did you how did you go from the, from Point Silver Creek to, to here? Like, what, what's your journey? So from Silver Creek to New Paltz, mm-hmm. and then did all that in four years, with a couple summers in Albany. Mm-hmm. And mind you, Silver Creek, when I left 2007, the population was about 2,700 people. Wow. And I think they've lost about 50 people a year for um, you know kids that graduate out, move on. Or move on. They're, mm-hmm. I think it was 15 years ago the last house was built. Oh wow! Like they they haven't built anything over there in a while, mostly. What's your feelings towards it? Melancholy or? Um, now it's I mean it's where my 
my parents live mm-hmm. and, and my so, sister lives around. Home, yeah. But, okay. Um, I don't miss the winters. Yeah. And uh, I think it wasn't big enough for what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. which is what I'm doing now. But from New Paltz, I was faced with you know, you're faced with the challenges that you go four hard years into it, mm-hmm. a jazz program, and reality as you see it is everyone's into this, and it's fantastic. Is there a sense of high competition, like amongst students? There's like- definitely, there's competition, and there's camaraderie, and there's more like uplifting between people. Mm-hmm. But the idea that the world is like this, and I think I realized jazz hasn't been a popular music in since the 30s but it's still prevalent it's still prevalent you say jazz everyone has some they sort know. of association with it right hopefully it's it's not jazzy yeah mm-hmm. I never or jazz hands jazz hands was yeah well, who, who originated that was that sure. Will Ferrell maybe or I think I, I want to say jazz it's more hands. of a uh, theater thing theater, it's yeah. been okay. appropriated in a through the in the comedy through different years but by the way jazzy to me, is how some people feel about the word moist. Yeah, I've, I've read about that. Or moist about doesn't that, yeah. bo- bother me at all, but jazzy. jazzy strikes a chord? Yeah. Are you a jazzy kind of guy? Yeah, right? You're a man, you play jazz? Are you a heptone? We're, <laughs> like, we're, gonna, we're gonna drop some moist beats tonight. Oh, How's man, that make yeah. you feel? I don't think I have <laughs> any words that bother me. There's a bunch of words just because of my accent that I can't say properly, but... That's okay. Yeah, it's weird. Like... When I moved to California, people couldn't understand me at all. Like, they were, like, they were, <laughs> so I'm going to get a glass of water. And they're like, what? Water? <laughs> what is you that? You know what water is, you know? Like, come on. Yeah. Don't, don't you know, make me sound like I'm from Planet Milmac or something like that. But So all these musicians, all these students together, you know, sense of, you know, as you said, uplifting spirit. I think jazz also does have that type of element to it. It's uplifting music, yeah. you know? like. And it's also thought-provoking music. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, my Google Home thing here, I listen to a lot of jazz while I'm in the kitchen, you know. Google Home, if you want to sponsor me on this podcast, you know what I mean? You want to send me new products, I would love to include you in this hashtag. But jazz, it, it is such a, it's a great music, not only to relax you, but to be able to ponder your thoughts. And a funny thing, um, I've mentioned this before on the on the, on the show, um, my old band, Downtown Harvest, the one that, you know, did their thing for like 10 years here in Philadelphia. When we went on tour we drove in the van, we would only listen to jazz and classical music. That's it. Mm-hmm. And people were like, how are you getting yourselves like all worked? Like, you know, like we get ourselves worked up when we're on stage. We need to be calm, cool, collected. And, you know, and yeah. it really worked. I was a driver. So I would always put on jazz. Be like, I got to listen to this or classical. Like the two, something about the two genres there to me have always clicked as being something that can allow yourself to center, you know? Mm-hmm. Some people go to yoga for it. Some people go to meditation. Some people, you know, take drugs or drink or whatever, but, you know, music can have that adverse effect on you. Would you agree? Yeah, that's definitely... Yeah. A lot of times after a gig, uh, I'll either put the classical or jazz on mm-hmm. or nothing at all. Yeah, sometimes silence is even better. Because I'm, you know, I'm around sound so often. Mm-hmm. I remember, How's your ears? Is your ears uh, holding up? Mine are shot. I think my ears are pretty solid because um, I do some audio engineering. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten sharper in terms of identifying frequencies and yeah. hearing through compression. And stuff, yeah, it's it's strange. Well, I also know that my left ear is my left ear here is different than my right ear. Same, mine's my my left ear is the one that's damaged. My right ear is the it 
it's odd. It um it doesn't let certain frequencies through. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was the in the can or just in the headphones, ladies and gentlemen. Or like, what do you mean, just like live? <laughs> um, all the time. Mm-hmm. It's because again with engineering, sometimes I have to turn my head mm-hmm. to hear certain differences. Um, it almost seems like now my right ear is more resilient than my left ear. Mm. My left ear is almost compensating for the sensitivity. Mm-hmm. But I know that I can hear fairly low in the frequencies. I want to say around like 17 or 16 down there, mm. depending on the speakers. And then it tops out around 17.5K. Wow. When I'm uh, producing something like... Um I, I, like my studio is in the back room there and it's next to uh, my son's room and um, there was this period of time where I really I like editing I like doing a lot of production at nighttime, mm-hmm. and I really couldn't listen to stuff you know like I could listen to the headphones but like you know my headphones weren't so good so I got really into visual editing yeah watching the DBs watching my line you know what I mean and like it's so weird how like I have adapted that into like all of my tracks that I make now it's just literally just watching the levels making sure I'm, you know, at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Because my ears, as I get older, are failing on me, which... Well, that's right. There are, some, there are some EQs. Um, there are some EQ plugins where they'll show you yeah. what the actual frequencies yeah, are happening. Yeah, you can see it. It's amazing, really. I mean, what do you record on? Um, I record on Pro Tools. Mm-hmm. We've got the Waves bundle. and uh, Yeah, that bundle's pretty sharp. And a few other free things that, that show up. Free stuff's the best. Yeah. When a website's like, we're giving away all these drum loops. I think I just got a new new reverb. Well, I got to make sure it works, because mm-hmm. I'm running Pro Tools 9. Oh, yeah. Because I own it. Yeah. I don't like the idea of renting software. I'm currently going through that. I do a lot of video production, and, uh, you know, Adobe has a creative cloud, and you just can't own Adobe Premiere. Like, Premiere's a great um, nonlinear video software, you know, system, and uh, you just can't own it. And I think that's so unfair. I understand the, well, definitely understand the business side of that. Of course. You're going to be making, you know, bank for the rest of, like, these people's lives that need these things, unless it's a job that you can use their, you know. Right. You know. And then I also understand the, I think the whole selling point is, oh, we'll update it, and then you'll be great. I was like, well, it works. How many updates since Pro Tools 9 is there now? Um, I want to say they left off at 12, That's and I don't, say 12, I don't know right? how often they, yeah. they update it. Um, Pro Tools 9 is still very powerful. Yeah. I remember when Pro Tools first came out, people were like, is this going to be the future? Or is this not the future? And, you know, it kind of turned into the future. Let's... um. Let's give the listeners a a quick sample. We're going to take a listen to one of your tracks here on the podcast. This is Afternoon.
back here in the podcast. Talk about that track. I love that track. Uh, that track has so much atmosphere. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's uh, I wrote that. Oh, jeez, probably somewhere between freshman and sophomore year of college, mm-hmm. and um, the proponent of that. So the impetus of that is the the guitar part, the actual acoustic mm-hmm. guitar, because if you really sit down on it, I'm basically doubling each string. Yeah, of, I heard that. Yeah, it sounds like you're mm-hmm. tuning a guitar, but I'm, it's interesting. Yeah. And then that from there, I was like, well, where can I? Would you record that it? On? Was that what was that track recorded on? I think that was recorded on Pro Tools as the well. The beginning, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a double tracked guitar. Got it. Um, mm-hmm. So I did one take on one side, and I did another take. Because I like to mm-hmm. have safeties, and I like both of them, so why not? Mm-hmm. And going back with Pink Floyd's production, if you listen to if you listen to Dogs, it kind of fades in the similar way, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. chord, but it's definitely two guitars, mm-hmm. and um, you get this natural chorus and um, sort of life happening between. Mm-hmm. And then um, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with the bass part. And in that particular track, that's the synth bass, and it's just a drone, so yeah. why not? Um, it's a cool track. Thanks. My students liked it. And then I was like, what do I do with the melody? So mm-hmm. I kind of thought of, I think at the time we were learning, I want to say Windows by Chick Corea. Mm. I want to say that was, that was the track. Or the idea of Maiden Voyage, like Herbie Hancock's maybe Maiden Voyage. So having the long notes Herbie. as the chords change. Mm-hmm. So you have this sort of tension and release built into a longer melodic line. Herbie, I, re- I remember discovering Herbie when I was like maybe 14 or 15, and my friend uh, Ryan had the Headhunters record. Yeah. And I remember like getting through it and just being like, oh my God. Like, you know, and then like right afterwards, I think I, well, shortly thereafter, I think I might have discovered Medeski and Martin Wood, and they kind of had like some sort of components that I liked a lot. But um, Herbie, though, what's the one track? Uh, Watermelon Man. Yeah, that sound. That's again, yeah, with the long tones on it. I I just I couldn't understand what it was because I mean I was young I didn't you know know the instrument but like if you played it as you know a young kid they're just like what is that like yeah. what is that noise but it's it's cool how Herbie was able to like find his own like sci-fi sound in a way you know like he he was able to create these things that weren't necessarily safe and I, I love that in music. Well, I think with especially when we're discussing Herbie. He would do an acoustic album for means of mm-hmm. communication, and then an electric album, and go back and forth. Yeah. Like you hear the difference, and especially during the seventies, eighties, and, and even today, when you put something out, you'll hear Headhunters versus Thrust yeah. versus This Is the Drum. It's like, yeah, you know. Yeah, I remember when I picked it. I picked I, after I like discovered <laughs> that. I just started like listening to everything. I was just like, I gotta, I gotta know as much as possible. But um, your creative process, like when you're writing a song, say for instance, like a song that you're writing right now, um, do you see it visually, or do you hear it? Like, like do you start like in an improv type of atmosphere? Talk about like what your creative process is. So it, it can really sometimes it's utilitarian. Mm-hmm. Or how is this? What can I create that would fit with everything else that I've already created? And sometimes it's a matter of, like in that, in Afternoon's case, it was the cu- guitar chords, mm-hmm. and then I went from there. 
and then I stuck a rhythm on it. I was like, change rhythms up. If you listen to it, it's basically hanging out in 11-8, mm-hmm. and then in the, no, it's hanging out in 5-8, and then the bridge hangs out in 11-8, kind of, and, and things mess around there. Um, just taking a, a very small nugget of whatever and exploring how that can yeah, you know, become bigger. Become bigger. Yeah. Uh, there are other tracks that I've written that the bass starts it, or there's a form that I have in mind, mm-hmm. or there's a melody, or there's something that on the horn, because um, that's mainly what I play. Something melodic will come out. Like, that sounds cool, and let's explore this and make it something bigger. Yeah, that's cool. It, it's it's so interesting to me to like hear other. I mean, I've had lots of musicians on the show, and I always ask them that question. It's 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 similar <laughs> how they're always they're different answers but you know some of them are collectively the same but just the whole process of like writing a song like it's it's abstract especially with compositions compositions are very you know what i mean like it's mm-hmm. it's not like banging out a one four five you know what i mean there's a lot more thought going into it and i mean you could start with that you could but you know what i mean i'm saying like you know if anybody can improv like you know a blues riff you know i i do it with my class on fridays i improv like what they're eating on a guitar like sing them like songs about it and stuff yeah what I'm trying to say is, like, jazz, <laughs> classical music, the amount of work that goes into it is it's phenomenal. And it's great when it like you see it live, happen live, or if you listen to it, per se. I mean, I think uh, maybe about seven episodes ago, I, I, I've always touted that I would love to see, like, a punk rock orchestra. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't ever... I don't think that genre is out there. Right? I guess the closest you get, I mean... Well, Jaco Pastorius, I think, yeah. had the punk rock. Do you know what I'm saying? Thing, like, imagine you know, like you know a full piece orchestra, and they're all in mohawks, like leather. It'd be and, very like, loud. It'd be loud as <laughs> shit, exactly. But it, you know, it would be like, I mean, there was bands that you know, there's so many gimmicks in bands. There was one <coughs> polyphonic spree years ago that was very like gospel. I think they're still together, but I mean, like, I like when the you know genres like merge together. But I mean, it's safe to say that you know, like jazz. Like is it's like you said a couple minutes ago. Like it's not as popular as it was, but yeah. it's so relevant towards like not only like our society but American culture in general. Right. Like when you go back and you study American culture history, there's no way that you're not going to hit the names. You know, Miles Davis. The, you, you're never going to like escape these. people. Well, there are more than just artists too. Yeah. Because they're mm-hmm. um, speaking through their instruments. Yeah. And, that's um, a good point. And they're a product of their time and their their literature and their politics and and um, their environments. Mm-hmm. You know that's why. It's, it is interesting too if you yeah. think about like what was going on at that moment. What made you know Vince write that? You know, like or you know what I'm saying like it's it's interesting too. I mean, it's fun for me too, even with the podcast because mm-hmm. I can go back through like you know my phone and just like pick a track from like you know like two three years ago. I have no idea like what it's about, and then you know. Unfortunately, sometimes there's uh, significant like um, events in America, you know, violence and stuff like that that I talk about. But it's like a pinpoint as to like where you were. And music does that, you know, terrifically. Um, um, where are you at right now with your world of music? I mean, obviously you're in You Do You, but what else are you doing in the city of Philadelphia? I'm. I've been doing a lot lately. We just did sort of members of You Do You and a, and a few other people that we work with. Mm-hmm. We did a. Pink Floyd yeah, Animals so tribute. Mm-hmm. Pink Floyd's Animals album, not the Animals mm-hmm. and Pink Floyd. Try to... That'd be weird. Yeah. Um, that went over really well. Um, you know, as Pink Floyd being some of my roots, obviously, mm-hmm. being able to play it. 
I never did a tribute um, for Pink Floyd because I don't know. It's like, did you play the whole night? Yeah, we played the whole night. Yeah. I played bass the whole night. Um, otherwise, I'm in a Motown soul band, mm -hmm. York Street Hustle. We got a few things coming up, um, including a holiday show. And What's December. the website for that? That is YorkStreetHustle.com, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if we'll the, cross reference it. Yeah, we'll make, we'll double. Or if check it don't work, that. then just Google it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm in a an Irish. Um, Jesus, how many projects are you in? Well, you know what? Any given time so is about a dozen. You should be. In, you should be in a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I play with a, um, a Dublin native who's, uh, who's now a citizen in the United States, and we, I don't want to call it an Irish band because that's, it's a little narrow. He, obviously he's Irish, so yeah. the music he plays is, you know, Irish. Um, but it's split between traditional, especially around what we refer to as Irish season, or mm. March. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody's <laughs> Irish on St. Patrick's yeah, a little bit of Irish. I've seen a lot. And then he has his own material, mm -hmm. which is actually, it's very folk and um, I'd say a, a tinge of southern influence as That's well. Cool. And then there's Pogues involved, because you know, those, I think those are mm -hmm. the three major elements of that band, where I mainly play trumpet, but when I'm not playing trumpet, I'm actually filling out on banjo. Banjo. Nice. Yeah. Six-string banjo. Banjo is awesome. It's legit. It's, it's really <laughs> legit. And it is generally something that's going to produce a good time in a spirits bar. <laughs> Everyone, yeah. Somebody hears a banjo, like, let's dance. Let's yeah, well, I mean, if you if you really dissect the Pogues, they've got, I mean, not just the voice, mm -hmm. um, Shane McGowan, you've got banjo, 12-string guitar, acoustic guitar, upright bass, whistle, usually D whistle. Mm -hmm. um, there can be a drum kit. A lot of times there's a, um, a frame drum or mm -hmm. um, I've heard it been referred to as a badron or I think John just calls it a boron. Mm -hmm. And accordion is very prevalent. Mm -hmm. You'll hear strings. Some Pogues songs you do hear trumpet in there. Mm -hmm. And um, particularly Fiesta, you'll hear, I think it's sax, trombone, and trumpet. So there's... How many instruments do you play? Uh, too, All of them? Too many. All I've, of them. I've, I've messed around What's with... What's the one you can't do? I don't do... Didgeridoo? I don't do woodwinds that well. Mm, yeah, they're hard. They're like, really hard. I, I can make a sound on a saxophone, and um, mm -hmm. I think in middle school I borrowed an alto sax just to try it out, mm -hmm. and um, I had a very sweet sound on it, but I guess uh, you stick to my um, the rock kit mm -hmm. being... Um, well, trumpet's my main, and then I'd say... Secondary instruments are bass and guitar, mm -hmm. and then tertiary instruments would be percussion and keys. At one point, I played kit in high school, but yeah. I let that go. It's a lot of upkeep. Yeah, when I when they asked us at my school, they were like, uh, "What instrument do you want to play?" You know, I didn't get my. I, I think I wanted to play. Well, I do play bass now, but I wanted to play the stand-up bass. They didn't give it to me. They gave me snare drum instead, which. I guess I could see the correlation, you know. Yeah, how big were you, too? I was big, you know. So like, <laughs> I was hitting hard, like, um, but like, I it was so weird how like they brushed through it really quick. It was like, here's the flares, here's this, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, well, let's yeah. think about the, th you know, and like, I didn't. I guess I didn't have a really good. Well, you get teacher. the rudiments. The yeah, the rhythms. rudiments and stuff like that. But like, I just I don't know what it was that I, I didn't stick with it. I mean, I play drums now, but like, yeah. I wish that 
I would have stuck with like school, like you know, music and stuff like that. I mean, like even a tonal instrument. Yeah, exactly. Something with a pitch. Um, Any other projects? Um, I've got my own project. Yeah, let's talk about that. That's um, that's through Soundplan. There's Mm -hmm. a release show December nineteenth, World Cafe Live. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that Philly one, right? Not the yeah. Yeah, I haven't been to a new one yet. Is there a new one? There's one. Well, it's not relatively new, but there's apparently there's one called the Queen, the World Cafe Live. I thought Queen. they, I think World Cafe Live just pulled out of that. Did they? And okay. now it's, I think it's a Live Nation. Oh, okay. Like a, they're taking over everything. Yeah, Why, you know, Fillmore. And, take over to Pretzel Factory next if you want. Live Nation. <laughs> do whatever. I'm so tired of seeing that. Like you know, like on social media, it's just, it's just, it's a whole another podcast. But look, I'm just going <laughs> to tell you out there, it's it's not fair that if you want to go see one of your favorite artists, you got to spend you know upwards of hundreds of dollars. Mm-hmm. Just, kids won't ever, you know. I used to I used to spend spend like fourteen bucks, fifteen bucks. Yeah. Please continue. I'm sorry. Oh, it's, it's all right. I feel like I've um, I have a lot of material. Mm-hmm. A lot of my own. And you record as well, right? Yeah. So if people are looking for, you know, somebody out there finds this podcast, they can inquire within. Oh, yeah. And which oh, yeah, that kind of recording, yeah, yeah. with, with mm-hmm. other artists. And, um, yeah, I've done some cool work. I work with, um, well, I'll tell you about that in a sec. But my, my own, I've, with my own project, I've been, I've been in Philly about six going on seven years and mm-hmm. kind of sidelined that because I always want to make sure that, you know the musicians I involve are yeah. all on board, and I want to make sure that I think it's the right moment to to push that forward. Yeah, I realize when uh, when I send out when I send emails to different like John Batiste when I sent an email to him about my last album. Um, that was the introduction was through Hayward Hawkins, mm-hmm. who I also play with. Um, and I was like, and all these other people. Yeah. So, like, all the people I um, I mentioned, and I've subbed with, um, I've subbed with Red 40 and Last Groovement, and Johnny Showcase, I've done a couple shows with them. Johnny Showcase, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess he lives in my neighborhood, too. That's cool. Yeah, he's a, he's a cool dude. Great name. And, um, yeah, I just realized, and we, with all that stuff going on, and um, in terms of recording, around... December last year, I started working with the Blair Brothers, who do film and TV soundtrack, mm-hmm. um, and they've thrown some interesting stuff at me. That's cool. It's very much like walking. I think the first, definitely the first thing I had to do with them was between Christmas and New Year's last year, they were looking for, like, they needed a salsa track, because they couldn't, the, the film couldn't secure the rights, so... Last minute, they were going to print. Yeah, and they, yeah, like we need a salsa a track, so yeah. they called me up to arrange it, and I'm like, oh, can you record it too? So yeah, that'd be nice, right? <laughs> yeah, they brought me can in. Can you to do record. it all real quick? Yeah, well, I didn't record everything. I mm-hmm. think it was it wound up being written three trumpets, mellophone, and then I brought in my sax player who put down alto, tenor, and Barry. Okay. So we got this big. Um, sort of retro mid-70s salsa kind of vibe to it and um, turned out really well and they've called me back. That's good. And uh, yeah, I love recording with other other groups. I think... Uh, not sure. I, I work with some artists that I'm not sure what, how they're going to end up branding it so I'm not going to mention it. I'm yeah, just I know what you mean. Yeah, it happens <laughs> a lot. Um, 
Well, first off, uh, I think that you're on to some good stuff here in the city of Philadelphia. I think you're going to continue to have a good career with jazz. Uh, for the listeners out there, the main website, you want to plug it real quick? My main website yes. is vincetampio.com. First off, uh, thanks very much. I know it took a couple times to get over here with the podcast. Sometimes, you know, you got to make some, you got to jump through a bunch of different hoops, but, you know, eventually we can come together. Uh, it was a pleasure talking today about jazz uh, yeah. as well as music in general. Uh, it made me miss the Great Lakes. Uh, I may have to take a trip out there with my family sometime. We do it in um, Silver Creek. It's a cool name. Silver Creek. I used to yeah. live near a place called Silver Lake, too. So when you, I was okay. like, wait, man, is he near California? But no, I know exactly where you're at. Um, definitely check out the multitude of projects that Vincent will be doing here in the city of Philadelphia as we move forward. And um, it's the holiday season's upon us, so you must be like booked like nonstop, right? You're going to be playing like till what? Would you say Irish season? <laughs> Irish season. Yeah. Well, there's a. Uh, I am booked. I'm also. Oh yeah, I'm involved with the um, Uptown String Band too. Oh, wow. So the Mummers. That, That's I, cool. I do their um, their routine arrangements. Mm-hmm. So the arrangement. The music that you see, New Year's Day. Oh, very cool! I wrote the last year, and they had me back for this year. So I'm pretty much busy through New Year's, and and then there's a dip in January, February. It usually is for a lot of people. But I've been creative, like photography, all that yeah. stuff. People don't do anything, yeah. But I've been cranking hard since mid September, like 10, 12 hour days yeah. often, and so I'm looking forward to that. Those couple months mm-hmm. of sort of regeneration and then Irish season hits and then it's into <laughs> musicals and yeah and um, and then you get into weddings and and other events and it's the summer yeah and then you're you're faced at August which is the other dip yeah of the year. Dip. no everyone's like they take off then yeah a lot of people are making sure they, they get the most out of the end, of, the, end yeah. of summer it's sad and um, and yeah a lot of things will pop up then I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. whatever different projects I think that's the biggest thing about music. That's why I chose music. There's so much variety there's so much to do. Yeah. and so many people to work with, and it, and it just keeps end. things fresh. Music never has an ending. No, films, it doesn't. Films have a first act, second act, third act. Music, I mean, you can have a third act if you fall down the pitfalls of you know uh, abuse and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But music will uh, be around forever, you know, and that's the cool thing about it. And especially if you're you know a young kid thinking about picking up an instrument, pick it up because. You'll never be able to get away from it, right? Like you couldn't right. even put your trumpet away if you you, you it's like a part of you. you yeah, know? I'd have a hard time. I feel the that. way I feel that way about you know E A D and G bass. Like I can't imagine not playing bass. I mean, I like guitar, but bass to me is always going to be like a part of like who I am. Really, um, we have to wrap things up, ladies sure. and gentlemen. Thank you very much, Vince. This has been another episode of Bobcast. Bobcast. <laughs>